Hi, this is Mike, and welcome back to PH Expanded. I am excited uh, to be back and uh, writing and podcasting. I've uh, uh, been a little patchy this spring as it's the, my busiest time of year, but, uh, and I missed doing the uh, blog and podcast uh, yesterday as uh, I was uh, uh, involved in my academy, but um, I came home today and having seen the highlights uh, already, I sat there with my son and we joyfully watched the entire thing so I could write this uh, blog and do the podcast accurately and have some, some decent thoughts. Um, boy, that was so much fun. So much fun. Uh, what a day. What a day. I've, I've just watched my son play uh, his first ever high school soccer game as a 12-year-old. Um, he got uh, given the opportunity to play in a game. Um, he's a smart little player. Um, probably the youngest kid to ever play high school soccer in America right there. So anyway, um, I uh, wanted to start by um, doing the sliding doors moment. And uh, I did not realise really um, the importance of the first few minutes of the game and something that people haven't really been talking about because they're too excited. Gabrielle uh, saved us and changed the entire game. Away to Chelsea off the back of three losses. After the fourth minute, in swinging corner, right? Ramsdale... Completely misses it, misjudges the flight, and Gabrielle headers it off the line. And that, to me, epitomised the attitude. You know, reminds me actually of a moment when I was a kid, when I played in this big game, big game for me, I think it was a county final or something, and I had a chance last minute at the back post. Gosh, this is haunting me still. Um, so the ball comes in and uh, my keeper goes up for it, misses it. I think it travels past a few more people and just hits me. And I was flat-footed. Um, and after the game, my coach came up to me and just said one thing. And I don't know why I remembered it. Maybe uh, I needed to remember this in order to maybe teach some other people. Or maybe it was uh, more profound than that. But he said, always think the ball is coming to you now I was probably about 11 and I don't know that I um, understood what he was talking about but I remembered it and now it makes all kinds of sense to me and when I teach my players uh, at set plays corners in particular in that crowded area that you uh, tell yourself you convince yourself that the ball is coming to you. Even if the goalkeeper's got his fist right on it or a defender, attacker, has got their head right on it, it's looking like it, there's no doubt that they're going to get it. You believe the opposite. You believe that they're going to miss it. You always believe that they're going to miss it. So you're prepared. Well, that was, uh, a, a, without a doubt, the sliding doors moment of the game. Because if Chelsea go 1-0 up at home, then it's another... Um, big balloon deflating moment for Arsenal and hard to come back from and if there ever was uh, a sliding doors moment of the season that's it because that moment even though nobody's talking about it apart from probably me I suppose I I think 
has actually possibly turned our season around and good for him and that just again embodied everything that went on after it everybody covering each other's backs that seriousness with which I talk about in my blog and I talk about quite often when Arsenal are good is they look just so serious about what they're doing compared to when they're not it's it's just a different group that shows up with a completely different attitude uh, and there's a difference you know between wanting to win the game and really wanting to win the game you know there's a lot of things I want in my life and the things that I really want I'm actively going to go after you know I mean I'd love to have a Lamborghini right but I'm not actively going after it but there are some things in my life like a trip to England for example this summer to see my family come back home and I've gone after it planned it with my wife doing it Another ridiculous analogy there, but you get the point. There's a difference. And Arsenal on Wednesday played as if they really wanted to win. And that moment was huge. Um, and I'm loving it. I need to stop talking about that one thing. Okay, that will sort of bleeds right over to the positive that I wanted to talk about, which was just the speed of reaction when... We lost our duels, which we didn't lose too many. But that tiny detail, gosh, you might think that's that's sort of irrelevant or boring or just not exciting to talk about. But you watch a game and watch, uh, at any level, what happens when a player loses the ball or is beaten and how quickly they turn, block, chase, whatever it may be. Because that will tell you everything about their attitude. Here's another story for you. Um, I guess I've had a career that's been way too long. Lots of stories. I do remember uh, being part of a group that showed up to this trial uh, at a club, uh, I suppose a fairly big club. And uh, the first thing that the coach did is he threw these cones down on the ground and he told the boys all of us, that we could um, start and the, the point of the exercise was just to run and touch the cones with our feet and we could drop out at any time. And that was it. That was the instruction. So uh, thankfully I made that team and there were only a few people that did. Most of the kids dropped out because they thought well, they were told that they could, so they did. And they didn't go the extra mile and they didn't push themselves. And at the end, the coach was brutal. He'd sent all the other kids home. That's how he wanted to do his first cut. I'd never seen anything quite like that. It was brutal. They didn't even get to touch the ball or we didn't touch the ball. And a bunch of those kids went home. Anyway, I digress. So he then stood there in front of this small group of players and I was one of them and said, football's not always fun, is it? And we were all pretty scared of him at this point, and it, there was no smile. And it's one of those questions you didn't know how to answer. You know, I don't know what this guy wants me to say. I suppose I'm going to say nothing. Nobody says anything, and we just hope he doesn't pick on us. And he didn't pick on me, but he picked on this other kid. And he sort of got up in his face. He said, football's not always fun, is it? And this kid sort of went, 
Yeah, no, yeah. Didn't know what to say. And then the coach said, do you think that losing the ball is fun? Do you think that chasing somebody for 30 yards is fun? Do you think getting a burn on your leg after you've come out of a tackle is fun? Do you think being exhausted is fun? And he went on and on and on. He really made a point, and it says something else that I remembered, because it just registered with me, made all kinds of sense, that not just football, but sports, not all of it is fun. No sport. Because there's the roller coaster of emotions, and there's victories and losses, but the sport itself, sport itself, is difficult. And anything that's difficult has challenges. And those things that I've mentioned are challenging and they're the part of football that for the most part people don't really like they know they have to do it and football's a running game becoming more of a running game and you've got to want to run you've got to want to do the dirty things and so I'm going all the way back to my point I was trying to make if you watch uh, footballers and whether they're willing to do the dirty things, then you'll know if your team has the right attitude and whether you're going to win the game. And that's sort of one of the ways that I look at football when I'm watching a game. If I try to detach myself from the emotion of me being an Arsenal fan when I'm watching an Arsenal game and try to evaluate what's about to happen here, I want to see how quickly they turn, whether they're willing to chase. When it's a counter-attack, Maybe this is one of the bigger ones. Are the players sprinting or giving 70%, which then fades to 60, to 40, to 20, and then a, a, a walk as the ball goes in the back of the net? These moments will define you as a player and your team as a unit, whether you're willing to do these things. And against Chelsea, there were all kinds of examples of the players wanting to go that extra mile. And that speed of reaction after we lost the ball was electric. And there's one moment with Ben White in the box. Again, another moment in the game where the, the you know, choose your own adventure, you're right. I remember those books when I was a kid. If he doesn't do it, the game goes that way. And if he does do it, then Arsenal retain their lead and then build on it. Okay, don't want to be negative, but the, uh, the need I wanted to talk about was simply the importance of Arsenal doing more of this until the rest of the season is done. I think that would be everybody's wish. If we could wish for something for Arsenal that wasn't a score or a win... I think we'd look at that Chelsea game and say, just just do that. And I know you can't do that every single game for that length of time that you had to against a team like Chelsea. But definitely let's start that way. And let's get the game in our control. With our intensity playing the way we are best, which is we are the youngest team in the league. We've got young players who are willing to run and sprint. Not every team does, right? They don't. I mean, you look at United, for example, on Saturday. They don't have that as an option. We have that as an option. So please, let's do it. Please, let's do that. 
and then play in blocks. You know, you do that for 20 minutes. Then you try and control the game in possession, or you drop back and you let them come at you and you rest that way. But let's not forget those the, the results in the previous three games, but it's more the attitude towards those games where we didn't seem to have that intensity at any time, really, not compared to what I just saw against Chelsea. So let's do that. And you know what? If we do that, then I'll be surprised if we don't get in the Champions League. Legitimately surprised because I don't think that uh, even Tottenham in their form can live with us when we play like that. We look like the third best team in the in the league. And that's sort of why the blog today started off with a tone of frustration because I know that this team is capable and with my eyes at least, I see a team that maybe could have, should have come third this season. It's what I predicted for this season. I, th- I believed in it and when I watched my team, you know, when I watch them, I guess, re- retrospectively after this season's over, I'll, I'll, I'll look at those games, those eight or ten games and think, why could we not do that more? And I'm not saying yet to win all those games, but just play that way. And I bet you do. bet you do win more games if you play that way. Okay. All right, last point I wanted to make was uh, I've been trying to figure out why Mikel Arteta has talked a couple of times about Smith Rowe as being an option as a number nine. He snuck it in there, and again, not many people are talking about it. But then when I watched the Chelsea game... I was reminded for sure. And it might just be as simple as uh, all footballers can strike a ball. They can all pass a ball at that level. Not all of them can do it under intense pressure in a two versus five situation in a crowded penalty area with somebody about to hack you down in the box. The butterflies that we all feel when we have experienced that ourselves at whatever level we've played when we've got a chance to score. And there's something about Emile Smith-Rowe when he's in and around the penalty area that I think Arteta has just uh, latched onto, caught his eye and thought, well, if we could get him to shoot more, have more opportunities, because he has the golden ticket of composure. And if you think about Smith-Rowe when he's in and around the box, if he misses... It's not normally wild. Compare him to Thomas Partey, right? Or Xhaka. Or, oh, who knows? But there's a difference. He goes for accuracy. He hits the target. And if if he misses, it's not that he's blazed it over the crossbar or skewed it wide, right? It's because the keeper saved it. He just has that chill pill in the box, doesn't he? That X factor that all strikers, the best ones, have. They're just ice cold in that box. And because he's such a well-rounded player, I don't blame Mikel Arteta for thinking that he could mould him into a centre-forward. Because he has sort of everything. Emil Smith-Rowe, there isn't anything I think he 
he can't do. He might not have be able to do it regularly yet, but I don't see anything. I mean, he's quick, he's strong. He's a good dribbler, good passer, good at shooting, um, wants to work hard defensively, wants to press, wants to win. And so I think we need to look out for that coming up. I'm not sure they're going to experiment this season because it's become too uh, important, hasn't it, every minute of every game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Smith Rowe becomes uh, a, a sort of false nine option next season that we see in pre-season them with, with us experimenting until we make our summer purchase that he's actually the centre forward uh, because Arteta wants him to have um, a higher volume of shots because he uh, has that composure under pressure in the box. Well, listen, it's late here in Tennessee and I have had a long day, fun day, and uh, got another long one tomorrow, uh, tomorrow with a golf tournament and then a handball tournament that I'm putting on. So what about that? Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And I will see you after the United game. Cheers.